In our podcast miniseries, Made by Microbes, we explore new ways of microbial production. The range of microbial products is widening, with advances in life sciences that enable microbes to produce substances that are naturally produced by animals or plants. We invite people whose daily work is deeply rooted in microbial research to share their insights and discuss the expected impact of biotechnology on our everyday life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our podcast episode, Beer, Apples and Microbes. We all know that good food is important for a healthy life, but it might not be so obvious that microbes also play a big role in food production and food science. Today, we will talk about the role of microbes in traditional food production and about microbial communities and their role in the human body. We will talk about substances called flavonoids that are found in many fruits and vegetables and how these flavonoids can be produced by microbes, although they are naturally produced by plants. And we will talk about the challenges that life scientists face in their everyday work and how their research may result in groundbreaking changes in the future. We welcome Tobias Goris from the German Institute of Human Nutrition, which is researching the influence of nutrition on health. Tobias works as postdoc in the research group of intestinal microbiology, which is headed by Annette Braune. Tobias works in the field of microbial biotechnology with a focus on the human gut microbiome and the biochemistry of flavonoids. And we welcome Jaroslav Poplonski from Wroclaw University of Environmental and Life Sciences in Poland, a renowned university in the field of food science and chemical engineering. Jarek works as assistant professor in the bioorganic chemistry group headed by Eva Husa. He works on biocatalysis in modification of natural compounds, such as flavonoids. And I am Waltraud Ruineder from Liquifer Vienna, hosting this episode. So welcome, Jarek and Tobias. Could you tell us something about your personal background? How did you get into your field of research? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Jarek and my path toward academic career and flavonoid research. I, I would say it was really, really complicated. I will keep the part when I was professionally training biathlon and dog sleds and start from my university when I have finished the master degree in food biotechnology. Over the time, flavonoid research and microbial production of natural products were already very hot topics, also the biotransformations. I was always drawn to chemistry and biochemistry, so I decided to continue my scientific journey and started my PhD in chemistry and biotransformations of hop flavonoids. You would be really amazed what health-promoting properties have flavonoids in beer. And you two beers? Yeah, hello also from my side, dear listener. Waltraut and Jarek, I'm Tobias and basically I already knew that I wanted to become 
some sort of scientist, chemist, biologist, already as a child back in school. And then later I decided to study biology and um, I think it was in the third or fourth semester of the study when I was super convinced by a great lecture about microbiology in which I learned about the diversity of microbes, about their physiological diversity, because they can carry out chemical reactions which we as higher organisms are not able to. So microbes, bacteria especially, can dwell where no other life can exist. So after all, I decided to do a PhD in microbiology and um, already at this time, this was around 2005, I was interested in gut microbiomes. And it, uh, around that time, it became a big thing. But unfortunately, um, it was only two and a half years ago um, in, at, at which point I joined the group of Annette Braun at the German Institute of Human Nutrition. And now I have indeed the possibility to, to research gut microbes and the transformation of food in our guts. And this is really wonderful. So you're both involved in food science, um, in microbiology and biotechnology uh, that is related to nutrition. And microbes have been used in food production for thousands of years. Can you give us some examples of traditional food production that require microbes? Beer, wine, vinegar, pickles, sauerkraut, bread, most of dairy products, even the cacao are being produced in processes involving the microorganisms activity. And not everyone is aware that wine, beer and bread are the results of the microbial activity of different strains of baker's yeast. You might be really amazed how complex microbial communities are required to produce those food products. Uh, look at the diversity of dairy products being produced all around the world. They might be produced even the same way, uh, but differ in microbial communities responsible for fermentation. And uh, this results in different tastes. And uh, nowadays, even some food additives like vitamin C or vanilla flavor vanillin uh, are being produced by microorganisms. So each day we are more and more aware that we are living in a microbial world. Uh, and. Uh, to be honest, every aspect of our life somehow depends on microorganisms. So microbes are not only involved in the production of important types of our food, but some of them also live inside us. Tobias, you're researching the microbial communities in the human gut. What are the microbes doing there? Basically, when we eat something, when we take up food, nutrients, whatever most of it, is typically digested by the human body. But of course, there are numerous nutrients, foods, ingredients, which cannot be digested by the human body itself. And all this, this reaches the gut after a while. And in the gut, we have an enormous amount of different bacterial cells, and they are really happy to feed on the leftovers from our food. So one good example are fibers, which are complex carbohydrates, usually from plants, and they are too complex, too big, too well-structured to be digested from the human body, so they reach the gut. 
And many microbes, many bacteria are able to break down these large carbohydrates down into smaller carbohydrates. And from these, they can produce special compounds, which are transferred, given to the gut cells, which are often specialized, or many of them are specialized to feed on these products made by the human gut bacteria. I've heard that there are more microbes in the human body than human cells. Is that true? Yes, uh, this is actually true. And not only the number of these cells, these bacterial cells is enormous and more than the human body cells, but also, or especially the physiological reactions they can carry out. They are way more than the human body can ever carry out. Um, but, but when you think about these numbers in terms of weight, it's of course much less um, than the human body because bacterial cells are very small. But there are also microbial communities everywhere around us in our um, environment. Uh, Jarek, uh, you are also investigating fungi from the forest. Why are you doing that? I'm not personally researching the, 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 the fungi. Uh, so uh, there is a department in my um, university which researches fungal communities and how they influence crops and forests and so on. So they collect samples of the fungi and identify them. And again, you might be amazed, as Tobias already mentioned, about the diversity of microbial communities uh, in a forest. And large part of those uh, communities are fungal. Uh, in generally, fungi are responsible for degradation of plant material. And uh, here is my work because we can use those fungi or enzymes inside them, not only for degradation, but also for the modification of any molecules, including compounds from plants. Uh, this might lead to discovery of novel routes to, to create new compounds or existing compounds, but also may result in the new bioactive compounds. You mentioned bioactive compounds. And um, well, we all know that fruits and vegetables are considered healthy. And there are also many medical plants that have been used in traditional medicine for thousands of years and which are still in use all over the world. Many plants we know are rich in vitamins, but there are also other substances that are called flavonoids. Tobias, what are flavonoids? Flavonoids are quite complex and also diverse compounds of which many of them are, for example, compounds found in, in apples or, or, or berries. Um, and actually, apple is a good example because um, they contain a high amounts of, of a special type of flavonoid, which is called quercetin. And this is um, the highest concentration of this flavonoid is found in the peel. And like I said, there are many different uh, fruits which contain different types of flavonoids and all of them have different structures. And also many of these flavonoids can be transformed by our gut bacteria and then might have a slightly different function. The term flavonoid is derived from the Latin word for yellow. Why yellow? Because, for example, the leaves in autumn, when they turn yellow, this is because um, at least in a, in a high portion, derived from flavonoids, this color. So many flavonoids are actually 
colorful. Most often yellow, sometimes red, but also some are completely colorless. So this also speaks for the diversity of, of uh, flavonoids. What about flavor? You know, flavonoids, flavor sounds similar. Many flavonoids which are found in plants, they, they have a remarkable flavor. Uh, they often have a slightly bitter flavor. For example, when, when you eat a grapefruit, this typical slightly bitter flavor is um, also in high portion um, derived from, from a type of flavonoid. And um, other flavonoids are responsible for, for a bit of the lemon flavor and so on. They have also special structural variability. They can have um, sugar uh, attached to their, to their chemical structure. Um, and these make them less bitter. So yes, in the end, also you can use flavonoids as uh, additions, natural additions to foods yeah, to add flavor to them. One question to Jarek. What is the natural functions of flavonoids in plants? Why do plants produce these flavonoids? Basically, flavonoids are compounds produced by plants to protect them from UV radiation coming from the sun. Uh, they also play a role in defense mechanisms of plants. So they protect them against bacteria, viruses, and fungi. They also play an important role in biological interactions. I mean, they, they play a role in communication with some symbiotic bacteria in the soil. They also play a role in fertilization processes in plants. In general, they also play a role as colorants of flowers and fruits. And because of that, they attract insects and the flowers benefit with a free pollen transport. We can dis distinguish more than 10,000 of different flavonoid structures. The diversity uh, is really, really enormous. And I can even add that beyond the bitter taste, <laughs> some flavonoids are also responsible for the sweet taste. Flavonoids seem to be important for the plant in many ways, especially to keep the plant healthy. Can they also protect humans against bacteria and viruses? Can they help humans to stay healthy, Tobias? Um, it's now more or less proven that flavonoids in general have a good effect on health. So about two or three years ago, there was a Danish study um, and they reported that an amount of half a gram of flavonoids per day can prolong the lifespan of up to two years. So especially in the cardiovascular diseases um, and also in cancer, flavonoids seem to have a protective, uh, somehow preventive effect. But as I said, how exactly that functions and especially if there are differences between the many types of flavonoids. Yeah, um, this has to be covered in, in the next years and decades. And one other issue is uh, that many flavonoids are quite expensive. Jarek, is your research affected by the high prices of flavonoids? Mm, yes, indeed. It even started from the times when I made my PhD, because back then the availability of flavonoids we can buy on the market was uh, really, really low. Uh, the reason was, uh, or rather still is, the complex structure of flavonoids, low yields of chemical synthesis and high costs of isolation and purification. 
all, all this affects not only our research on flavonoid modification, but also research related to health and diseases and uh, any biological studies. The other thing is that we have limited availability because in most cases they occur in plants in really, really tiny amounts. So the main challenge right now is that we can cultivate large fields of plants, use lots of resources and try to purify those compounds. Or we can also develop a technology that will use less resources and space and still might produce this compound. So one thing is to produce flavonoids for research and uh, the other, how to produce them for the society. You're both involved in the collaborative research project called Syn Bio for Fleur, meaning synthetic biology for flavonoids. This project investigates the microbial production of flavonoids instead of the, the traditional extraction from plants. Tobias, what do you expect as benefits when flavonoids are produced by microbes? The current situation is like that 10, 20, maybe 30 flavonoids are quite cheap because they are found in high concentrations in, in plants which are very easy to grow, like the mentioned quercetin from apples, for example. Let's say one gram relatively high purity costs, I don't know, 50 euro maybe. And um, the other flavonoids of which also Jarek talked, these are super expensive, even like um, maybe one hundredth of a gram sometimes costs more than 200 euro. And of course, the, the production, the purification is very resource intensive. So um, it's very difficult to get these more exotic flavonoids, uh, of course, for all researchers, but also for people in the future who may want to use these flavonoids as a healthy ingredient. Um, so when we want to research the beneficial effects of, of these flavonoids, we have to find a way to produce flavonoids in a high purity. Um, and of course, all one way is via bacteria because they are easy to grow. Um, and in turn, when we would have to extract them from plants, we would have to cultivate the plants. And this is, of course, money and resource intensive. And when you think about the purification, it's, it's also very, very time money and resource intensive, which can be better when it's produced in bacteria. I would like to ask Jarek now, you mentioned before enzymes. How can they be used uh, for the microbial production? Can you tell us uh, more about that? Um, so basically, enzymes are proteins that catalyze chemical reactions. They are like super tiny parts, gears of a living factories. So uh, in, in generally, we are living, digesting, moving, and everything else because of the enzymes in, in, in our bodies. Organisms produce and degradate molecules using enzymes. In my work, I use enzymes from different species, including the fungi, and try to use them to modify the structures of flavonoids. The application of enzymes from different sources may lead to completely new novel flavonoid structures. What do we do 
or what do we search for in the gut? And these are um, novel enzymes of gut bacteria because as I told earlier, they are able to transform flavonoids in our gut. So they have, of course, special enzymes which uh, do that, which carry out these special reactions. And maybe many of them are not found anywhere else in the world because, of course, the gut is a completely different environment than a forest um, or whatever. So we are looking for, for novel enzymes in the human gut. What do you consider the main challenges to reach um, microbial production, let's say on an industrial scale? So just as I already mentioned, uh, flavonoids are really complex structures. And uh, to, to produce such a complex structures, we would require not one of these enzymes, but uh, specific optimized compositions, uh, a composition of enzymes leading from simple inorganic molecules to flavonoids. Performing that in a laboratory scale is one challenge and then industrial production is completely different. To produce flavonoids in bioreactors, we have to develop this kind of enzymatic-based technology. Uh, and uh, however, it's really complicated. And there are right now many research teams all around the world uh, working on how to increase the microbial production of flavonoids. And uh, uh, here is uh, our part, uh, the project we are working in, uh, the SynBio4 FLAV. Uh, the project envisions completely novel approach. We want to design and construct efficient microbial community to produce flavonoids. Such communities are more flexible, and may be changed upon demand to produce different compounds. Sounds very interesting. Tobias, what are your visions for groundbreaking changes in the future that may result from your scientific work? I think overall society is heading for, at least in the long future, for, for a kind of personalized nutrition and also personalized medicine, which refers to your own individual gut microbiome. So, for example, person A is fine with diet A, but not with diet E, and vice versa. This might or could depend on the gut microbiome. And of course, also the same with medicine. And if your doctor knows what you have inside your gut, um, you, you can react to that. Jarek, what are your visions for these groundbreaking changes in the future that result from your scientific work? First of all, our efforts to construct a community-driven production is definitely something novel. And despite that, uh, our work is focused on flavonoid production. Um, we might also provide lots of data for other scientists working with completely different products. Additionally, we will provide new solutions for the flavonoids production in laboratory or industrial scale for research or even for the whole society. And this, I, I, I envision the most groundbreaking effect. The social acceptance of the methods we are developing is one of the biggest barriers in research and commercialization. I mean that society has a great impact on our work especially in synthetic biology, that uh, eventually one day change our industry.
Well, we are approaching the end of our episode, and I would like to summarize. Microbes are essential for food production. Well, most of our food that we eat, such as bread, cheese, yogurt, require living microbes for their production. The same is also true for beer and wine. And with advanced technologies, microbes can be reprogrammed so that they can produce substances that are naturally produced by animals or plants. And this uh, could lead to a shift in agricultural practice away from the animal and plant-based production to microbial production, at least to complement it. Because uh, microbial production could happen anywhere. It is independent from climate zone. It could happen really locally where the products are needed. So long transportation ways could be avoided and the depletion of natural resources, especially of land and water. The microbial products could enhance the quality of food, which is already practiced with food supplements. And then we just heard from Tobias that we all might need different kinds of food, also different types of medicine to stay healthy. And so for sure, we need a lot more basic research to find out uh, more about all this. So thank you, Yarek and Tobias, for the conversation. And I thank you, uh, the listeners, for joining us. My name is Walter Thurneder, and I will be glad to welcome you in other episodes of our podcast series, Made by Microbes. The podcast miniseries Made by Microbes is hosted by SynBiofor Flav, a research consortium that has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 814650. Members of the consortium SynBiofor Flav talk about their work in and outside laboratories and about their personal visions. <laughs>